Good morning, Vineyard. Say good morning to your neighbor. And we're a friendly bunch, so yell across the room to somebody uh, in the other row. It's so good to see everybody. It's so good to see everybody online. Thank you for joining us uh, in our stream on Facebook this morning. Uh, You are an amazing group and are valued in our community, and we just thank you for being with us. Uh, Today, we're going to, I want to consider like continuing the celebration we started yesterday. Um, if If you don't know, or most people would know, um, we celebrated Kathy Parati's life yesterday, and uh, it was amazing. You know, it doesn't make our heart hurt any less. It doesn't make the questions any easier to answer. But if you were in the room yesterday, you understood um, not only an impact that a person could have on people's lives, but um, to me it was how God worked in amazing ways, even up to to the very end with Kathy, to to not only change her, but have her be a change agent of people, to hear the name Jesus and know that there's nothing more important in life than that relationship. So uh, I just want to pray. And, you know, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate the love. We're going to celebrate the grace. And we're going to celebrate the kindness of who Jesus is in, in our lives, in my life. And um, again, just really be in a place of, of thankfulness. So, Father, today we, we're still saddened and we still have hurt in our hearts for the loved ones who have gone before us. We ask you to continue to still um, just bless David and... Uh, just Holy Spirit, um, continue to walk closely with him. Bring people into his world that can come alongside and do this journey with him for all the, the unknowns that still sit before him. But Jesus, we know you are the master at all, and you know all, and you are all, and you will have David from this moment forward, just as you did from the time of, of Kathy being with you. So we thank you. We thank you that that's the hope. We thank you that that it doesn't end with just our last breath here, but it begins with our first breath, first breath with you. So we thank you. So we lift up your name today. We give you all the praise and the glory. And let us just worship you in spirit and in truth in all we do through the music this morning, through Brent's message and through our fellowship, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if you feel like getting to your feet to stand, you can, you can like, do this any way you feel. Um, so if sitting's comfortable, we're going to put the words up on the screen. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to sing to Jesus, right?
Blessed be your name for the land that is plentiful with streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when they're found in the desert place. The walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to pray. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name, for the sun shining down on me, for the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Of the road marked with suffering Through the pain in the offering Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to pray When the darkness closes in Lord, still I will say Blessed be the name of the Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name.
tears to say and blessed be your name you give and take away you give and take away my heart will choose to say and blessed be your name blessed be the name of Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. was grace. Chains are gone. My chains are gone. 
Sing a little louder. 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 In the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder. for us just the challenges that we raise a hallelujah that nothing's greater than our God to help us get through whatever it is right 
Nothing's greater. Doesn't make it easier and doesn't make the battle less of a battle. But with God, we can raise our hallelujah to partner with that, to know that that goes before us. Amen? Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Vineyard Community Church. Whether you're here, whether you're on Face Plant Land or somewhere out there, we're excited that you are with us today. We are continuing our sermon series found in Genesis, The Patriarchs, Encountering the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Pastor Brent's message today will be Jacob wrestling with God. And speaking of leaders, our leaders have had an incredible couple weeks of service and blessing others and I, I would like to have them stand Brett and Teresa Jim and Denise Scott and Lori please stand and we want a standing oh everybody up standing ovation if you can stand get up and honor our leaders because they are awesome and they did an amazing job Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we have some responsibility to our leaders that's in Scripture. And I came up with these three Scriptures that we may are able to bless our leaders. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. From Thessalonians. Then two from Hebrews. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Finally, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work may be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So I'd like to take a moment and pray for our leaders. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for our leaders who, who are wonderful servant leaders that are a part of our church here. Uh, they have been with us for a long time, and we appreciate uh, their service through the years and their faithfulness and their servant leadership. We thank you for all they do for us, and we thank you and pray that we would be a blessing to them. And we ask that you would give them uh, uh, a week of rest <laughs> and uh, regeneration, Lord, for the busy, busy time they've had. We thank you for all they've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you again, leaders. We really appreciate uh, your service through this past couple weeks. It's been especially tough. All right, there is a VCC membership class. If you'd like to be a part of us following the service today, are you interested in knowing more about Vineyard? Is God calling you to be a membership? 
check it out right after the service from 11:30 to 1 in the fellowship hall. And don't forget Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, February 19th is our annual meeting. It's a potluck, always some great food and some good information. We zip through it pretty quick, so come on and celebrate what we did last year and see what we're looking to do this year. All right, beginning Saturday, February 25th, we're offering a marriage class called Meaning of Marriage, a Vision for Married and Single People, and the books uh, are available back in the back. It's a book and a workbook, again, by Tim Keller and his wife, amazing, amazing teacher. It's $22 for, for the books, and you can get them back in the back. Come be a part of that. It's for six Saturdays from 1230 to 3, beginning on Saturday, February 25th. Again, you can sign up in the lobby. Don't forget today's offering. And a reminder again, uh, our building fund also, there are needs we have here in our church. So if, if you've pledged or if you have some extra, we'd love to have you help support uh, some of the fix-ups that we need to do here around Vineyard. And with that, uh, we're going to have a moment. Again, our offering's back in the back on a little table. And now we're going to have a moment of black history. Paid for the show. 
Bessie returned to the United States and became one of the most famous stunt flyers to ever live. She even worked hard to help other black men learn to fly. But sadly, Coleman was killed while preparing for the parachute jump the day before a big show. But her legacy lives on today, and the road to O'Hare Airport in Chicago is even named after her. She died young, but her willingness to be a civil rights pioneer will live on forever. Pastor Brent will be up here shortly with the message. God bless. You know, um, uh, Kathy Prouty went to go be with Jesus a couple weeks ago, and we had a really cool homegoing service for her yesterday, and uh, Dave wanted to come up and share a few words today um, just to acknowledge the community in this whole process. What's that? Oh, you did. Okay. Way to go, Kaylee. You're supposed to. Shouldn't she have? Shouldn't she have to ask me? Like, may I please move the microphone, sir? I think that's what you're supposed to. There you go. You could scream. <laughs> I've done it before. Well, okay. Well, something I wasn't totally prepared for, but uh, you know, those of you who weren't familiar with everything that happened. Um, you know, this all started the day after New Year's with Kathy going in the hospital. And we found out she had some arteries that were severely clogged, and they ended up doing a triple heart bypass. So through the process of that, with Brent and Denise and all of, you know, Jim and everybody, we were all praying that she would do well, she would get through this, and we'd be able to move on. And uh, she did. See, they did a successful triple heart bypass. She was doing great. She was at home recovering. Everything looked great. And that Saturday after I got her home, just in a matter of minutes, the Lord took her. And it was just, uh, it was a total shock. It was something that I never would have expected. And I thought, you know, the first thing that hit me, of course, was like anything else. Like, okay, Lord, you know, why is this happening? We thought. You were, it was the answer to prayer. She'd get through it. And God had a different plan. And it just took a while for everything to kind of sink in. But it's something that will rattle your faith to the core. And just in the midst of walking through this and just having Jim, Denise, Brent, Teresa, really everybody just behind me and just realizing the importance of a church body like we have here. I think sometimes we take that for granted. We don't understand what that is. But when you get into a situation like this where you're really doubting like what God is doing, you're doubting what's happening, you know, the reality is of all of this is that we are a family. We're a huge family. 
And yesterday when we had the service, there were so many people that came in from Pittsburgh and other places, you know, from where Kathy worked for 44 years. It was amazing to see just the lives that were touched. This place was full. And it was kind of like just, you know, I thought it was an endless line of people that were just coming through here. And after the service, I had so many texts and so many people coming to me. Just they felt what this church does. And they seen the love and the outreach that this church has that they don't experience anywhere else. And to me, you know, losing Kathy, yes, it's a hard thing. But the reality is what we have here is something that many people don't have. And I really, truly pray to God that we never lose this. Because this is what we need the most. And at a time like this, I can't thank everybody here enough for what everybody has done for me. They've been there. They're sticking with me by my side. And I know they're going to be there afterwards. So I just wanted to personally thank everyone here for everything that you guys have done. On behalf of myself, my family, and Lord willing, there's people that I know that are going to want to come here. So it's a testimony to everyone here, and I just wanted to thank all of you for that. Teresa was in um, California through, not the whole time, but through a good portion of that time. So Dave and I would just sit and talk on the phone at night because both of us were like. So um, anyway, continue to support him, Dave, and, and anybody else who's going through difficult times. We don't always know what's going on in people's lives. And um, I want to encourage you if you're connected in some ministry or a small group or something, you, you know, don't be afraid to kind of put your heart out there. Don't try and do this alone. We're, we weren't made to do it alone. You know, God even said that somewhere. Didn't he say it's not good for man to be alone? It's not good for women to be alone either. Um, but um, I, I think there's a, that, that's, that's part of what God calls us to, is community. And so this community has been amazing through that whole process. In fact, yesterday, not only this community, a couple people that go to a different church but come in and help at food pantries sometimes came. And in, in order for some of our um, women in particular who help set up all the time, in order that they'd be able to be part of the service, these women came in and helped set up while our women were able to be in here. That was amazing. So it was just, I mean, it's a pretty cool picture of the body of Christ. You know, you hear a lot of bad things about what's happening in this church or there's a bad thing in this church or somebody's morally fallen, and, and that's, that's true. That, that, that goes on. But there's also, for every one of those, there's about a hundred or a thousand of things like this that nobody ever hears about. And, um, and that's just cool. So you guys have, you guys have been really good. That's good church, good church. <laughs> if I could pat you on the head, I would. Um, anyway, today we're going to talk about wrestling with God. I, I know none of you have ever had to wrestle with God about anything. Most of your lives have just, you, you surrender to God and everything, everything just goes really smooth. And, you know, but no, that the reality is that 
um, a lot of our life is spent wrestling with God. I, I mean, I've had numerous times. I, I, I grew up and I was, I was amazingly stubborn. In fact, my mom said she would tell me to pick up color crayons. Well, I don't know how old I was. I think it was like 19. And um, no, <laughs> wasn't that old. But she, she said she would tell me to pick up color crayons, and I'd just sit there and look at her like, no, you can't. I don't know how old I was, but no, you can't make me. And then she'd literally have to take my hand down and grab the color crayons and put them in a box. And, and we're like that with God sometimes, aren't we? Until we say what we used to do. We used to, I grew up in the baby boom generation. We had tons of kids in our neighborhood. And one of the things we used to do all the time is wrestle. Did you ever wrestle? You know, we used to wrestle all the time. And the way you would win is when the other person said uncle. You know, it was like, it was sort of like, WWE or WWW, whatever. The, you know, the wrestling thing on TV, which is real, by the way. Um, we, um, we, my, my dad's parents actually used to think it was real. We used to go over to her, their house, and they'd be so mad. He can't do that. He's got a chair. This is terrible. Anyway, um, so we used to wrestle in the backyard. I'm really kind of all over the place, aren't I? Let me focus. Um, so we used to wrestle, and we'd make the other person say uncle. And it was funny because we'd always go, aunt, cousin, nephew. No, you've got to say uncle. And, it, and then eventually we would because we'd realize that we, were, we couldn't get away. You know, we were like, okay, I'm, we're stuck. I had the advantage that I was like in sixth or seventh grade, I was like this size. I was about this big. And, and most of the kids... Most of the boys my age were like hadn't reached puberty yet, so it was kind of fun wrestling. I liked wrestling then, but then I just stopped. It was like uh, everybody got bigger than me. Um, but today we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk too about how we sometimes, sometimes our wrestling is trying to help God make sure that His will for our lives happens, right? Or sometimes it's our will for our lives that that we really feel like. Okay, God, you know, God, I, I think God just needs a little bit of help here. I think he maybe forgot this. So I need, to, I need to just do this, and I need to make sure this gets done, and I need to make sure this gets, oh, and we've got to do this. Any of you relate? No. You know, we, we have a hard time trusting in God accomplishing his purposes. And today we're going to look at um, Jacob whose name actually means manipulator, usurper, um, conniver, whatever. That's what Jacob means. And how he, he spent a good portion of his life trying to get something that God was just going to give him. I mean, he, he just, for literally, probably half of his life he spent just trying to manipulate things and make things happen. So, you know... And, and a lot of a lot of us, and maybe some of you know, maybe some of you, maybe you came from a background where some abuse or alcoholism or whatever whatever there was, and so we feel like, okay, I'm going to control everything so so that this bad thing won't, so nothing bad can happen to me. If I control everything, then everything will be okay. Any of you can't relate? We we do this. We we forget there's a God. We forget there's a God. And we forget that He's sovereign and that He's able to accomplish what He promised. And so 
I'm going to do a real quick synopsis of what's kind of gone on here up to this point. So Scott, Scott brought us sort of up to this point last week. But there's this, this thing going on with these, you know, God has given this promise to Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And of course he's old, he doesn't, him and his wife are barren, they don't have children. And God says, leave your family and everything else, come to the land I'll give you and I will make you the father of great nations. And so the first one who tries to kind of make God's will happen is actually Abraham and his wife. They, they go, well, obviously this whole thing, pregnancy isn't going to work with us, so why don't you take um, Abraham's wife, Sarah, goes, why don't you take my servant, have a baby with her, we'll make this thing happen that God said is going to happen, right? And so they have Ishmael. And... God goes, no, that's not how this is going to happen. This is going to happen through your child. Now, he doesn't, God does not abandon Ishmael. If you really read the story, there's a beautiful picture of that where, where Abraham and Sarah kind of kick her out of the, the tribe and leave her out in the desert. God meets her out there, and she says these beautiful words when she encounters God. She says, I have now seen the God who sees me. I've seen the God who sees me, and he's going to take care of me. In some ways, she has a better understanding of the grace and kindness of God than Abraham and Sarah do. But God shows this Abraham and Sarah. So, so anyway, through the story, Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, their child. Um, Isaac grows up. And, and through this whole thing, too, there's these things being passed along that aren't really very good. Like, like Abraham keeps lying about his wife when he goes into another king. He has to go to Egypt because there's a famine. And when he gets there, the king thinks his wife, is Sarah, is really beautiful. And he's got kind of the hots for her. So Abraham thinks, well, if he finds out it's my wife, she, he'll, he'll kill me. So I'm just going to tell, tell him he's, she's my sister. And so he does. And, and Sarah's going, what the blank, you know? Like, really? You know, throw me under the bus, won't you? So, so he does this. Not just once, he does it a couple times. And then later on, his son Isaac, guess what Isaac does? He does the exact same thing. He goes into, he has to go live in this other country. There's a king there. He thinks his wife is really beautiful. And so he throws her under the bus. Oh, she's not my wife, she's my sister. And so this... This manipulating and lying is already starting to go on in the family. Do you get it? You know, one of the cool things about this, if you read the Old Testament, it's not a story about these heroes of the faith. If, if you've ever come to these stories and you go, these people were terrible. You know, have you ever read that and go, this, this, is, this is pretty terrible. Some of the stuff they do is really terrible. Well, that's, that's kind of the point. The Bible is one of the very few books in the ancient Near East that actually tells the truth. Because most of the books that were written back then were edited by the kings. And the kings never did anything wrong. Their servants never did anything wrong. Why? Well, because they controlled the narrative. But the Bible has this, and it's one of the reasons I believe that God wrote this, I mean, through people wrote this thing, is that it critiques everybody. Even the kings are subject to a higher power, a higher authority. And that still goes on today. We're all subject. Our, our presidents and, and you know, prime ministers and dictators and whatever, they're all subject to a higher authority. They may not know that, but they are. They're not 
God. God is God. And so, so you know, kind of through this whole process, there's, there's just this major brokenness going on, and yet somehow God accomplishes his purposes. Do you ever read in, in Matthew... That Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, starts out with this genealogy, and if you, what's interesting in genealogies is is who is in it and who isn't in it, and the genealogy of Matthew has all of these sordid stories in it about all these people that just really kind of screwed up, you know, they tried to manipulate things, they tried to make things happen, they killed somebody, they did all these things. And yet they're in there. Why are they in there? Because the, 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 the story that we're living out is not the story of the great God of men and women. It's, the great, it's, the story of the, it's not the story of the great men and women of God. It's the story of the great God of men and women, right? It's not about us. It's about God. And so when we come to, when we come to the story of Jacob, it's... And Esau, that's his brother, they're twins, and it starts out kind of a mess. So Jacob and Esau um, are, are giving birth. Rachel um, is their mom. She's giving birth, and they're jostling inside of her. And she goes to a prophet and says, why are they jostling inside of me? And the bottom line was, well, the prophet that they go to says, there's two nations wrestling inside of there, and they're going to be wrestling with the with each other, and the younger is going to serve the older. Or the older is going to serve the younger, sorry. I'm backwards today. I'm not, this is a dyslexic sermon. So everything I say, just reverse it, okay? This is a sermon of dyslexia. So, um, so anyway, uh, so the, the, the older is going to serve the younger, which was really not normal in that culture. But God said it so. You know how God often works in ways we don't, we don't realize. God always works in surprising ways. He picks the least, the least people to accomplish the greatest things. He picks this, this virgin young girl to, to have his Savior born to. He picks this really old couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, to, to, to give birth to the prophet who's going to give the words to this you know, that's going to introduce Jesus to the world. He chooses Abraham and Sarah, who are barren, to be the, the, the people that are going to birth this massive nation that, or massive group of people that whose, whose numbers, you know, rival the number of st- stars in the sky. And that's what God chooses. He just chooses. So if you've discounted yourself and you go, you know, I'm really kind of messed up and then, my family's really messed up. People come to me and they'll go, you know, my family's really dysfunctional. And I'll go, you know, really? Every, everybody else's family I know has really got it together. I can't believe it. Really, you got, I don't know if you should go to this church if you have a dysfunctional family. I mean, what's wrong with you? Um, the reality is we all come from dysfunctional families, right? That's all God's got to work with. God draws, God draws straight lines with crooked sticks or crooked pencils or whatever you know he draws he accomplishes his purpose through all this dysfunction because he's god so anyway so there's this battle going on inside her womb the, the esau comes out first and he's red and hairy which i, I you know it's a, i think um 
What's that? Uh, Scott had a picture of him last year. Oscar, yeah, it was Oscar. Pardon? Emma. Elmo, yeah, Elmo. He looks kind of like Elmo. He comes out all red and hairy and stuff like that. He's grabbing on to, to uh, Jake, Jacob is grabbing on to his heel. And so they come out, and their whole life is like that. One of the things that happens is their parents start showing favoritism. Now, parents, I, we only have one child. Well, we actually have kind of three, but um, parents sometimes will show favoritism to one ch- child, and sometimes there's just an affinity more to one child than an the others, and that's okay. But if you get to the place where you're actually showing more love to one of the children than the other ones, that becomes a problem. And that's what happened here. Jacob was mama's boy. Esau was manly man, dad's dad's boy. And so even though Isaac kind of knows that that Jacob is supposed to get this blessing. We'll talk about the blessing in a minute. Supposed to get this inheritance, all this stuff. He wants to give it to Esau. Because he likes Esau. And Esau is a manly man. And it just seems to make more sense to him. You really want to give it to that mama's boy over there? You want to give the blessing to him? And so through the whole journey, we find... Rachel and Jacob. Pardon? Am I doing it wrong? We find them conniving together to try and make this thing happen. So the mom and Jacob are kind of conniving together. The dad and Esau kind of just have this understanding that he's going to be the one that brings this about. Well, the time comes for this to happen. And by the way, part of this, part of this mess happens because they've shown favoritism. They've shown favoritism. They've already been taught how to manipulate and lie and control things by their father, Abraham, and then by Isaac. And then, you know, it's just on and on it goes, doesn't it? Alcoholic parents sometimes beget alcoholic children. Abusive parents sometimes, not always, but sometimes. And so God is, God is passing on this blessing. And this blessing, the blessing that they're talking about here isn't just like, oh, I bless you. It's a giving of an inheritance. It's who gets everything. Because in those days, it was usually the oldest son that was the one who would get everything. And the reason they did that and didn't divide everything up equally is because if they divided up things up equally, the, the whole family would kind of lose power because the, 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 the families with the biggest power base were in charge of everything. And so the, the, the blessing they're talking about is, is like the inheritance. It's like the inheritance. They get all the power... They get all the reward, they get all that, and they, their responsibility is to take care of everybody else, but they're also in charge of everybody else. And so all of this is going on, and in the midst of this, oh, besides that, small thing, God is, through each of these generations, has one person that carries not only the, the family name on, 
but it's going to be used to bring about the birth of the Messiah. So there's something way bigger at stake here than just kind of family inheritance. It's huge. And so this isn't just a small thing that's happening here. And so in this journey, Isaac gets really old, and um, he's, he's, about, he's about to die, and he calls Esau, and he says, hey, go, and he can't see very well, and he can't hear very well, and he says, go, go call my son, or, you know, Esau, go out and get me some food and cook it for me, that, and then come back that I may bless you. Well, Rebecca hears about this, and she's like, um, uh, no. So she has Jacob put on this furry thing. She goes to the microwave and pops in some, I don't know what, some microwave thing. Brings it out, has, has Jacob bring it out to his father. And his father can't see and can't hear very well. And, and he's, but his father's still sort of with it. And he goes, how did you get back so quick? And, and Jacob goes, and I, Jacob's probably trying to change his voice because he probably didn't. He's, it probably sounds like this, and he's going, yeah, it says, it says. And, 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 and Isaac isn't completely dumb. He goes, wait, you sound like Jake, you, you, you smell like Esau, because evidently Esau was stinky. Um, he smelled like wild animals, and, and Isaac kind of liked that. But he said, you know, are you, are you Esau, or are you Jacob? And he said, and Jacob lies, and he goes, I'm Esau. And so Isaac blesses him, and he gives him the inheritance, and he gives him the future, and he gives him the promise that God had given him. He gives him all that. And then him and Rebekah leave. Esau comes in a few minutes later, cooks the food, comes in and goes, where's my blessing? And, and Isaac is just shaking and going, oh, my gosh. I already gave it to him. And we think, well, just switch it. How hard could that be? Well, a little bit harder than we think. Plus, I think at this point, Isaac is beginning to realize that he's been fighting God all along. And he finally says, no, I can't. I think this is really, as much as your your mom and your, your twin brother have manipulated this to happen, tried to make this thing happen. I think it was and is God's will. And Esau is just ticked. He says, as soon as my father dies, I'm going to kill him. And so he literally takes off. It, it, Jacob, Jacob's mom says, you need to go. Go, go stay with um I think he went and stayed with Laban. Is that right? He went and stayed with Laban. Kind of the escape to Laban's house. And he goes there. And what's funny is when he gets there, he gets manipulated. Because Laban is also kind of a manipulator. And so he falls in love with, with this beautiful woman. And her name is Rachel. All right, that's right. I had the Rachel wrong. Sorry. Her name is Rachel. So, um... First one's Rebecca, sorry. So Rachel is beautiful. He wants to marry her. So, so Laban says, okay, just work for me for seven years, and after seven years, I'll give her to you. And so after seven years, he gives her, it's kind of late at night, he gives her 
who he thinks is Rachel, but it's not. It's Leah. And he wakes up the next morning and he goes, ah, you know, <laughs> wrong. What? Wait, wait. And he's mad. He goes out and says, hey, what did you do? You tricked me. And I think God's kind of sitting back going, really? Really? Imagine that, you getting tricked, Jacob. So then, you know, Laban goes, well, you know, I'll tell you what, just work another seven years for me, and then I'll give you Rachel. <laughs> so that, that actually ends up happening. But anyway, uh, and, and eventually through this whole process, God tells Jacob, you need to go back. You need to deal with what happened. Does God ever call you back to deal with what happened? I work with people. Sometimes we have to go back to go forward. Sometimes we have to go back to go forward. And so, so he starts going back to, to the promised land. And he starts moving back there. And he's terrified because the last time he saw Esau, Esau had vowed to kill him. But during this whole time that he's with Laban, he keeps getting blessed. He keeps, I mean, God literally, you know, he goes into this prayer. He actually cries out to God. He, he, again, he begins this whole manipulative scheme about how he's going to, okay, this is what I'm going to do. He's trying to fix it again. He's trying to make it happen. He's like, okay, if I, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay, we'll do this and this and this and this. Can you picture this? I can picture him because I can picture um Myself sometimes, and sometimes people that I'm around just trying to go, no, we have to do it like this. We have to do it like this. We have to do it like this. It has to be like this. Some of you are smiling. Because you know somebody else here is like that. But we get to that place where it's like, no, it's got to be like this. And so he does this elaborate setup where he, and he is really wealthy, and, and he, he knows he's going out to meet Esau, and Esau is actually coming to meet him. So he sets up these waves of his, his um, household. First wave with, I don't remember, 200 cattle and 200 lambs. And two, I mean, a lot, huge amount. And that first wave, he says, you guys go first, and you meet Esau and say, this is, from your ser- this is a gift from your servant Jacob. And then another wave behind that, is supposed to go and, and come and go, this is from your servant. He's trying to, what's he trying to do? Butter him up, which is, I don't know where that came from, but he's trying to butter him up. He has this all planned out. And this is where we come into our story. Jacob went his way and the angel of God met him. When Jacob saw him, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named the place Mahaniam, which means double camp. There's two camps here. There's our camp, the one we can see, and there's God's camp. God is with us. And God's trying to go, all this time, God's trying to go, Jacob, I'm with you. I'm with, do you realize I'm with you? Do you realize you don't have to be trying to make all this stuff happen? Do you realize how much energy you're expending to try and control your life? So you can work everything out perfect. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? I've never done this, so I don't know. Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, and we talked about that. This is what you are saying to my Lord. 
I've been staying with Laban and remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and male and female servants. Now I'm sending them to my Lord when the messenger returned. They said, we went to see your brother Esau, and he's now coming to meet you with 400 men. And the first thought from Jacob, because Jacob, first of all, is a manipulator, so he thinks everybody thinks like him, right? And secondly, the last words out of Esau's mouth was, I am going to kill you. Not like figuratively, really. In fear and great distress, he divides up the people who are with him into two groups, flocks, and he does this whole thing. And then he actually goes and prays, and he says a really good prayer. He says, Oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your servant. He's starting to realize that everything he has is a gift from God. Do you realize everything we get is a gift from God? It's not because we've manipulated. It's not because we've controlled it. It's not because we've been good enough. It's not because any of those things. It's because of God's kindness and God's faithfulness and God choosing to accomplish his purpose through broken people. All I had when I left here was a staff. But now I've become two camps, two whole you know, divisions of people. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. And so, so he, now I don't, you know, it's hard to tell with Jacob now. Is he like trying to manipulate God? God, even if you won't save me, you know, there's moms with their children here, you know, and I'm going to send them out in front of me, so make sure, which is, well, that's a whole other thing. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and make your descendants like the sea of the sand, which he had told him. He spent the night there and he selected a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, lambs, and so on and so forth. He put them in the care of his servants and he said, go ahead of me and make some space between the herds. And then he instructed them, which I already talked to you about. And there's, there's second and third waves of this thing. And that night, Jacob got up, took his two wives. Now, he's got two wives now because he got tricked. His, his two female servants and 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across, he sent for all his, over all his possessions, and he's left alone. God sometimes has to get us alone. We need community, like Dave said. We need each other. We absolutely do. That's why we have small... If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. They're really good. They're good. It's where we share our lives. It's where we share what's going on. It's, it's how you get to know people. If you really have a hard time with a small group, come to the man cave or something like that. So we still get to know people. So Jacob was left alone. And this weird thing happens. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. What? What? Some guy out of nowhere comes and they get in a wrestling match. When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the hip of his socket so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. And I'll get into that in a minute. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's still trying to get this blessing. The man said, what is your name, Jacob? Then the man said, your, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans have overcome. And then Jacob said, please tell me your name. 
But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, because I saw the face of I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. The sun rose above as he passed um, as he passed Penel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the Israelites don't eat the tendon and attach the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched. You see, we see God as our comforter. We see God as our savior. We see God as all these things. But sometimes God is our wrestler. Sometimes we wrestle with God. We wrestle with God. I, I've shared with you how that my coming to Christ was a process of wrestling with God, where God began taking away everything in my life, and I was left alone. All my friends from... My drug days were gone because I couldn't hang out with them anymore, and they didn't want to hang out with me. I was I was straight. I'd had girlfriends from the time I was like 13 or 14 on, and I finally, you know, met Teresa, and she was dating me and this other guy. And she asked God one day what she should do, and God told her, "Why should I tell you? Because you'll just do what you want anyway." And she finally said, "No, I really want to know." And and she felt like God said, "Break up with Brent," and I really felt like that's what God's will was. And so I tried for a couple of weeks to explain to her why that was God's will. I, tried to, I don't know if I tried to manipulate things, not too much. But I, fin- I finally got to a place of just surrender. I surrendered to God, and I surrendered to my future, and I surrendered what I thought God wanted me to have with Teresa, and I surrendered everything. And that's happened to me numerous times. That happened to me even in ministry. I tried to make things happen and God said no I want you to go to college and then I want you to go to seminary and I I finally just got to the place where I'm like okay I surrender I'm not saying that we don't have to work at some things and that some things aren't hard to accomplish they are but the fact is sometimes we're trying to do something that God just wants to give us first point and I'm going to have to do these quick God, through this whole process, is with us the whole time. The term that, that he calls Mahanaim means the camp, the double camp. It's the camp of humans and the camp of God. And one of the things that happens to Jacob when he is entering into this thing is that God, God knows that he's really stressed out. He knows that he's really anxious. And God for the second time reveals himself to him and shows him what's going on. Do you realize in your life when you're going through some of the worst times that you can imagine, you're living in double camp. There's the camp of of us that we can see and there's the camp of God that we can't see. And sometimes we need to ask and just say, God, would you show me? There are times, like even what was going on with Dave, I just said, and Dave talked to me about this too, we were talking, and, and he just goes, I just want to know that God is there. I, I just want to know that he's there. I want to see the double camp. I love this passage in Luke 12 where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, you know, don't, just quit being so anxious about everything. Look at the flowers, they don't toil or spin, yet Solomon and all his splendor wasn't even close to them. And don't worry about your heart on what you'll eat or drink or you know where, how you're going to get your next food. 
Your father knows you need them. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't apply for jobs. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't work hard. It doesn't mean any of those things. Your father knows you need them, but seek his, his kingdom, and these things will be given to you. Do not, and this is in Luke 12, do not be afraid, little flock. We need to realize that we're a little flock. We're little people with a great big God. And God is pleased to give you his kingdom. He's pleased to. Jacob didn't have to manipulate to get the blessing and the future that God had promised to him. God was pleased to give it to him. How often do we work for something that God just wants to give us? We strive, we worry, we manipulate, we can try and control. And God wants to give it to us. Where's God asking you to surrender today? God gets us to places. God never stops that either. I still wrestle with God. There's a great song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God, all because we don't surrender. We do, the, we do this, you know the serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to, you know, to kind of recognize the things that I don't have any control over and, and to recognize the things that you want me to have an active part in. Help me to let go of those parts that I have no control over and help me to do the parts that I'm supposed to well, we are amazing for flipping the... I want to write a reverse serenity prayer sometimes because that's how most of us live, right? We're like doing the stuff that God says, surrender that, and we're not doing the stuff that God says, this is your part. Amen? The what? The insanity prayer, yeah. Second point is that we t- we trying to make God's will happen is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, Jacob literally spent, you know, 14 years trying just to get his wife. And then he spent another whatever, I think it was like 20 years altogether with Laban. And then he comes back and he's trying to set up this whole elaborate scheme so Esau won't kill him. He's trying to set up this. When I read all this stuff, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I couldn't even. That's like takes a lot of planning. That's some really good planning, you know, but... If I do all this stuff, then it will happen. If I do this perfect, then it will happen. I can make this thing. I'm going to make God's... You know, God needs some help. God needs some help. He's... God's... You know, I know I know he's great. I know he's all in charge. But maybe, you know, sometimes I think he just overlooks things. And so I'm just going to help him a bit here. I'm just going to help him. Well, I'll just help, you know, God, I, I, I know you're great and omnipotent and stuff. Because, I, I, you know, Jacob had already prayed that prayer, right? What do we do after we pray? What does he do after he prays? He starts trying to fix it. Any of you fixers? God's actually got me to this place in life, and this comes into our next point. He's got me to a place in my life, because I, I really do like to fix things. And the fact is, I have been able throughout most of my life to fix a lot of things. Fix cars, fix houses. Fix stuff like that. I tend, I don't try as much to fix church stuff because God taught me that many years ago when our church split and everything kind of blew up and 
God came to me like he did John Wimber and said, Brent, I've seen your ministry. Now let me show you mine. And he told me to go start a... We had, we had no groups at that point. We had about 50 people or 60 people left out of 300. And I was broken. I was broken. I walk with a limp. I walk with a limp from being broken. And it's a good limp. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. But God's doing that now to me too. With I, 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 the other day, I'm trying to fix um, my daughter's car, and I can't. And I'm, it, it had some screws up under the dash. These little tiny screws. Not only do, do my hands not work good enough to get the screws in there, but I can't see. It's in between my by and my try and my bifocal. You know, there's like, is there another focal here? I'm like under there, and so I'm trying to use my camera on my phone. And I, you know, and I'm, I've, I've gotten a little bit better at saying, okay, I, I don't know where we're getting the money for this, but we need to just trees, trees get better at this. I'm learning. Sometimes it costs me more to try and do this myself than it does to just get it done. It's getting to that place. But that's really been hard. That's a hard lesson. It's hard for me because I'm used to fixing things. And God's kind of got me like, okay, your hands don't work that good and your eyes don't work that good anymore. I mean, I can still do some stuff. I can still punch Jim and, you know, things like that. Trying to make God's will happen in our life is a lot of work, and I want to encourage you to lay it down. Lay it down. I don't know how and where some of you got the control stuff that you have in your life, where that comes from. I don't know where that comes from. But I do know that God wants to free you from it because it's, it just is, it makes us not who God wants us to be, not even who we want to be. And we live this life of anxiety and stress and trying to make sure everything's perfect all the time. And that's just not the way life works with a God who's sovereign. Last point is God makes us it, so he gets in this wrestling match, which I think is really funny. And he gets in this wrestling match, and and the man, this man, who we later find out is God, there's kind of this mystery man. He's in, and they're wrestling all night. Have you ever wrestled for a while? I mean, you wrestle for 10 or 20 minutes, and it's hard. You're exhausted. You can't focus on anything else. You know, you can't be wrestling and thinking about, you know, that pretty girl walking by or whatever. You know, you can't do that or you'll get killed. So they're wrestling all night. And... and the man realized he couldn't overpower Jacob. Now, what's interesting about this is we find out later, this is God. Was Jacob more powerful than God? No. But he lets him wrestle with him. See, God lets us wrestle with him up to a point. He'll let us battle. He'll let us struggle. He'll let us try and do things like, you know, do you know what I mean? But then at, at a certain moment, he goes, then the man said, he says, um, <laughs> he saw he could not have before him. He touched Jacob's hip so that it was wrenched out of the socket. Ooh, ow. Now the term here, the first term is wrestled. This term is just lightly brushed. 
And God releases just a small smidgen of his power. And Jacob's hip goes boom. And suddenly Jacob goes from wrestling God to clinging on to God. And saying, Lord, I need your blessing. I need your blessing. Jacob begins walking with a limp. You know what the Apostle Paul says? Apostle Paul says, I have a thorn in my flesh. And I begged God for three years to take it away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in what? In your weakness. The very thing. You know, it's one of the hardest things for me. to. This is honestly, all, all the time I've done ministry, one of the hardest things for me to do is preach. To stand up in front of people and do this. I, it terrifies me every week. You guys are so scary. You're really scary people. It does. It just does. You can ask my wife. I'll be there. I'm like, oh, I got nothing, Lord. I got nothing. This is going to be awful. It's good. I mean, I don't know what the worst thing could happen, but I'm sure it will. You know, people are just going to go, that was like the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. How could somebody sit even speak such a bad sermon? That's what I always think. But guess what God's called me to do? This. And God's, <laughs> he, he's touched the socket of my hip in, in many other ways in life. John Wimber used to say, don't trust any leader or pastor who doesn't walk with a limp. And this is, let's end with this. This is powerful. But Jacob replied, I will not lest, he says, let me go for it as daybreak. Now we don't know why that is either. Is it because we cannot see the face of God and live? Is that it? Maybe. Doesn't say I mean, it's not like God's like a vampire and he can't be out in the sun. You know, it's not, it's not, that's not it. But Jacob goes, I will not l- let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked, asked him this one question, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. You see what happened here? When Jacob got the blessing the first time, do you remember what Isaac asked him? What is your name? Do you remember Jacob's answer? Esau. God's making Jacob own up to everything that he's done up to this point in his life. And he's saying, the fullness of my blessing will not be released on you until you deal with your past so I can bless your future. God will not let us just kind of ignore our past. He makes us he makes us deal with our past sometimes so that he can unleash his blessing for our future. And he asked him, "What is your name?" And then God tran- this is transformative in Jacob's life. He not only is transformed in his attitude, he's transformed in his name and then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And then he asked this man, what is your name? 
But he replied, why do you ask me my name? And then he blessed him. He gave him his blessing. He made him come to that point. That point that probably, it's kind of almost like Peter. Remember when Jesus asked, asked Peter if he loved him? After Peter denied him three times, and then he asked him, Peter, do you love me? What does Jesus do? He asks him three times if he loves him. Why? Because he made him deal with his past so he could face his future. I'm Jacob. You're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. And I'm going to pour the blessing of the nations. You're going to be the great, 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 well, the father, you know, forefather of Jesus, the Savior. God, just come, bless, touch, heal. I pray. I want to pray today for those who really struggle. It's going to take some a minute for prayer. For those who really struggle with, with letting go, you feel like. For whatever reason in your life, you just feel like it's so hard. God, I don't know if I can trust you, God. What if you hurt me? What if you allow me to be hurt? What if, what if I, I, I surrender all this to you and, and it doesn't work? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for some of you, too. Who Maybe there's some of you that God's actually saying, hey, I want you to take these steps to, to receive the blessing and future I have for you. I want you to take some steps here. Maybe you haven't taken those steps. But I think more of this tonight, today, it's just an opportunity to say, hey, okay, here I am, Lord. Here are my hands. Here are my feet. Here's my mouth. Here's my ears. Here's my eyes. Take me. Use me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Heal me. And I'm going to invite you to come up today and receive prayer for that. Don't be embarrassed. We all do it. I do it. I've done it. We all do it. So I'm going to invite you to come up and get prayer. I'm going to invite some of our prayer team leaders or our small group leaders to come up and pray. I went way over today. Sorry about that. Um, But we're just going to, you know, we're going to take time for that. Those of you who need to go are welcome to to leave. If you're going to um, hang out and chat, which I love that you do, you should do it in the lobby so people can just kind of connect with God. If you want to just sit where, you, where you're sitting and, and deal with God, that's okay too. But I want to just invite this right now, and I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.